Ohio senatorial candidate J.D. Vance shared tweeted out this screenshot from a recent NBC News broadcast. It would seem that if you question the liberty-destroying COVID protocols demanded by the Democrats or think the 2020 presidential election was stolen, the Department of Homeland Security thinks you just may be a terror threat. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Psalm 18:3. America is under sustained attack, wrote Arizona Congressman Paul Gosar in a recent tweet. In what way? You may ask. The Rep. Gosar went on to cite a few examples. America is under sustained attack on its sovereignty with open borders, against its culture by race hustlers, against our public fisc, fisc meaning state treasury, and against our political-slash-medical dissidents with a capricious legal system. The congressman is right on all counts. Worth noting is that Rep. Gosar's tweet was in response to a tweet by Ronna McDaniel, chairwoman of the Republican National Committee who had tweeted out the Republican Party stands with the people of Cuba fighting for freedom. Rep. Gosar finished his tweet writing, for the love of everything holy Cuba can wait. Help America first. Again, Paul Gosar is right on target. The Democrats have openly become the party of treason and tyranny, while the Republicans uselessly tweet out about the goings-on in other countries while ignoring the fire in our own house. To borrow a turn of phrase from Isaiah, our sites are burned with fire, Antifa and BLM riots, while strangers devour our land before our face, Biden's treasonous open borders polity, what some migrants call law invitacion, yet all the Republican leadership can do is tweet out about demonstrations in Cuba. Apart from a few individuals, Senator Rand Paul, Rep. Thomas Massey, the aforementioned Rep. Paul Gosar and some others, very few Republicans have taken any kind of public stand against the deliberate destruction of the United States of America by the treasonous, lying, illegitimate Biden regime, the Democratic Party, and deep state technocrats such as the Jesuit Anthony Fauci. America is under sustained attack to a degree and in a way that I personally have never witnessed. And I'd be less than honest with you or I to say that I've been unfazed by it. I've found myself alternately furious, despairing, and even scared. In mid-August 2021, Americans are faced, not only with some of the items already mentioned, but by vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, renewed mask requirements and possible lockdowns, not to mention a war on domestic terror which is threatening to criminalize political opinions at odds with the ruling elite's preferred narrative. To underscore just how hostile the U.S. federal government has become to ordinary Americans, Ohio senatorial candidate J.D. Vance tweeted out a screenshot from a recent NBC News broadcast naming as potential terror threats opposition to COVID measures, claims of election fraud and the belief that Trump can be reinstated. There are now calls from high places to put unvaccinated Americans on the no-fly list, meaning if you don't consent to take the deadly COVID vaccine, which even Pfizer does not make its own employees take, you're going to be treated as if you're a terrorist and banned from ever flying. There's a slew of local vaccine mandates being rolled out across the nation. Speaking to a friend this morning who works a police officer, he told me that the city where he works is about to impose a vaccine mandate on all city employees, including police and firemen. Vaccine mandates are one of the most frightening aspects of the growing COVID tyranny. They put people in a position of having to choose to earn a living or take a poison vaccine that does little or nothing to stop you from getting COVID, passing COVID along to others, or dying from COVID. This is an egregious violation of liberty of conscience, an important philosophical tenet of Christianity that has been thrown away in our rush to dictatorship. As if all this weren't bad enough for the credibility of the COVID vaccine and it advocates, there are highly qualified scientists who argue that it's the COVID vaccines that are causing people to come down sick with COVID variants. A search of the fact checkers reveals that all of them will tell you no, 
the COVID vaccine does not cause variants. But if that's the case, why are COVID cases among the vaccinated exploding, see here, here, here and here, and this in some of the most vaccinated nations in the world? But the more reports of vaccine failure and vaccines mount, the more the determination of officialdom to impose vaccine mandates. It's enough to cause one to stop and ask, is this just about big profits for big pharma, or is there something more sinister at work? I think the answer is the latter. At the very least, it appears that the end goal is the vaccine passport. Just get the jab and you'll get your freedoms back, is the official lie. Much more likely, the more jabs you get, the more the liars will continue to move the goalposts. Not only will you need booster shots to keep your vax status, but it seems likely that new viruses will be engineered and released required new courses of vaccines. The COVID crisis was never meant to be solved. It is a forever crisis designed to enslave you. Maybe even kill you outright. As globalist Klaus Schwab, the evil Bond villain wannabe and founder of the World Economic Forum, wrote in his book COVID-19, The Great Reset, many of us are pondering when things will return to normal. The short response is, never. COVID is an engineered crisis designed to allow the globalists to impose the Great Reset on the world, a reset that promises, among other things, that you'll own nothing. Oh, and did I mention the coming climate lockdowns? Yes, the great and good tell us we must begin shutting down our economy to meet our carbon goals. See Tucker Carlson's interview with author Mark Morano. Then there's the Biden gun grab. Not satisfied with stealing your right to free speech, your right to peaceably assemble, etc. The tyrant Biden wants to take your guns, too. And not just your AR-15s. He wants to take your 9mm pistols. Of course, the long-term goal is that he wants to completely disarm Americans, because that's what tyrants do. They want to dumb down, frightened, disarmed populace upon whom they can impose whatever outrages they want. And I haven't even touched on the anti-Christian, violent and overtly racist critical race theory fad that is sweeping all before it in the corporate, academic and governmental worlds, or the aggressive and evil feminist, transgender and homosexual movements. Plus, in observing the words and actions of the illegitimate Biden regime in promoting all these evils, I'm reminded of the Declaration of Independence. It reads, ILL experience hath shown, that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. It is the opinion of this author that the circumstances described above is precisely the situation where Americans find themselves in the summer of 2021, suffering under a government that threatens to reduce them under absolute despotism. Indeed, looking at the cultural and political battlefield before us, Christians are outnumbered, outgunned and in an apparently hopeless position. For Christians, this raises the question, to what or to whom do we look for our sure defense? It may even prompt some to wonder whether it is even reasonable to speak of a defense at all. So shall I be saved from mine enemies? The Bible has many passages that answer this question. And not only that, but the scriptures give us examples of those who looked to the correct source, as well as those who sought for help in the wrong places. King David, a man after God's own heart, knew whence came his salvation. In Psalm 18 he wrote, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. 
The superscription of this psalm tells us that David spoke these words in the day the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from Saul. David was a brave man and a great warrior. But we see here that he does not boast in his own strength or fighting prowess. He doesn't attribute his victory to his skill as a strategist or as a commanding general and leader of men. I came, I saw, I conquered our words attributed to Julius Caesar upon one of his military triumphs. That's the sort of thing we would expect a victorious commander to say. In the 2nd century, Tertullian reported that during triumphal parades in Rome, victorious generals had a slave ride in the chariot with them, whose job it was to whisper to the general, remember you are a man. But what does David say? He writes, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. It is David's calling on the Lord, not his bravery or military talent that brings the victory. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Note too the remarkable way David piles up words to describe God's gracious provision and deliverance. He might have described God as his strength and rock and fortress. That all would have been true. And David might have stopped there. But he didn't. He keeps piling on. The Lord is his strength in whom he trusts, his bucker, his horn of salvation and high tower. It is by calling upon this God, the one true God, that David is saved from his enemies. Later in the same psalm he wrote, He delivered me from my strong enemy, and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. As David acknowledged in how own words, he was overmatched by his enemies. They were too strong for him to defeat on his own. A later psalmist echoed David's words when he wrote, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. One implication of the Lord's making heaven and earth is that He is sovereign over them. And when we say He is sovereign, we mean that whatever God wants to do, He does. This means that, not only does all deliverance come from the Lord, but the very circumstances requiring deliverance are from His hand as well. For that reason, some would argue that if God is sovereign, He is not good, or if He is good, He is not sovereign. But Scripture clearly teaches that God is both sovereign and good. But, someone may ask, if God is sovereign and good, how can you account for all the evil in this world? Yes, you and I are faced with a great deal of evil every day. We are lied to constantly about COVID, climate change and host of other things. We have tyrants want to mask us up, lock us down and command us to obey with no recourse to the rule of law. And not only do they want to do these things, but they also have to a large degree been successful in doing so. How is it that an evil man like Joe Biden and his lackeys were able to steal a presidential election? make it stick and so quickly go about destroying the very nation they are sworn to protect? What kind of a good and sovereign God would allow such a thing? God, it would seem, is responsible for this mess. That question was answered almost 90 years ago by a young scholar named Gordon Clark. In response to the charge that God was responsible for evil, Clark noted that the word responsible meant answerable. You and I, for example, are responsible to our teachers for learning our lessons or to our employers for the work that we do but to whom must God give an answer? No one. When we're faced with the trials of life, we know that both the trial itself and the way of escape are alike from the hand of God. In 1 Corinthians 10:13, we read, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Note well, the text says that God is the maker of both the temptation and the way of escape. One application of this is that all the corruption, all the lies, all the yet unpunished evil deeds of the politicians, academics, media, and masters of the universe come from the hand of God. They are not merely permitted by Him, but they are actively brought about according to His will. 
the devil is God's devil, said Martin Luther. Luther was right, of course. In the same way, Joe Biden is God's Joe Biden and Anthony Fauci is God's Anthony Fauci. These men were put in their places by God's hand to serve God's sovereign purposes, for the eternal good of his people, and for the destruction of his enemies. So how can it be that good can come from the political triumph of lawless servants of Antichrist like Joe Biden or Anthony Fauci? Perhaps it will take some time to know the answer for sure. But good will come. Of that the Lord's people can be sure. One possible good that will come is that it will force us Christians to give up trusting in horses, chariots, and pharaohs, that is the things of this world such as political alliances with unbelievers or our own wisdom and willpower, to see us through. One of the besetting sins of God's people in the Old Testament was their repeated failure to look to the Lord for help, while instead turning to idols or political alliances with pagan rulers. The entire thrust of the neo-evangelical movement since the end of World War II has been exactly this, begging for help and recognition from unbelievers to win the culture war. In the meantime, we have failed to look to the Lord for instruction on how to do this. We have ignored the Bible's warnings against forming alliances with Roman Catholics, Jews, Mormons, and other unbelievers. As a result, not only do American Christians have nothing to show for their decades of political work and vast sums of money spent, but it's actually worse than that. Never in my lifetime has the Protestant Church had so little influence in the political life of this nation, never has it been held in such disrespect. And not only that, but the very civilization that the moral majority and other groups fought to preserve is hanging by a thread so slender it could snap any day. It is too much of a stretch to suggest that some of our present difficulties could be chastisement from the Lord for our unfaithful witness. But there is forgiveness with God that He may be feared. As believers, let us repent of our trusting in our own strength or the strength of ecumenical horses and chariots. Rather let us call on the name of the Lord our God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.